0: Plastics the are ubiquitous. Of this program is made possible you can't to the go anywhere the without them. And your like kitchen, you. for example, is filled with them, and most likely you don't realize how much of a part of your life they are. Turn on a light switch, the switch, the faceplate, the coating around the wires, all made from plastic. Turn on the tap, drain the sink, and it is plastic that delivers the water and takes it away. Not to mention all the wraps on foods that are in your fridge or pantry. And then there are drink containers, and sauces, and sauce containers, and, 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 and. Bob Masterson, the president and CEO of the Chemistry Industry Association of Canada, says, the overwhelming majority of plastic products last for decades because they were designed that way. But he also says far too much plastic waste ends up in landfills and is litter and in water. And the industry is committed to reducing that waste. The Industry Association has launched a campaign working with producers, recyclers, and organizations that repurpose plastic called Save Plastic. Masterson says it's a call to action, a call for a meaningful change. He goes on to say almost $8 billion worth of plastic waste is sent to landfills, waste that can be recuperated. I invited Bob Masterson of the Chemistry Industry Association of Canada to join me for a conversation that matters about turning plastics into a renewable resource. Bob, welcome. Thank
1: you, Stu. Pleased to be with you.
0: This campaign that you have launched is a bold move. Why is it so important that it be embraced? And then let's get into, you know, what are the specifics about how we make this work?
1: Yeah, we've heard a lot of conversation about the why not plastics. We haven't heard enough about the why and why plastics, and you talked about that a bit in your introduction. Uh, There's no question plastics has a very complex relationship with sustainability. On the one hand, the, the why not side, this material does end up often in landfill, and in some countries, especially in developing nations, you do find it in waterways, and that's completely unacceptable. The why plastic, we've got to think about why is this in our life, and when we think about moving towards a more sustainable world, whether that's clean air, clean water, clean energy, safe, nutritious, abundant food. Plastic's at the heart of that. You think of just one example, the the movement towards the electric automobile, more plastic, lighter weight materials, more plastic resins to lightweight that vehicle to make it more efficient so the batteries can power it. That's just one example. So we want to have the conversation, complete the conversation. We also Uh, very important. There's been a lot of negative information about recycling in recent months uh, suggesting to Canadians and others that recycling doesn't work. We say, yes, it can work under certain conditions and, and we British Columbia, in particular, is a leading example of what the rest of Canada can do. And we're seeing that being imitated now across the country. We don't think Canadians should give up hope on recycling. We think there's a way to capture that $8 billion of, of resource and return it to the economy. That's good for the economy. That's good for business. Okay, I'm
0: going to bite. What are we doing here in British Columbia that makes you say it, it sets an example? <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> Well, the big switch in British Columbia happened around 2015 or 2016. And what happened was, and many people don't understand this today, the responsibility for the recycling system in British Columbia is no longer the municipalities. It's paid, for, and when we're talking here about curbside recycling, it's paid for by the businesses that put the plastic, the paper and the metal packaging into the economy. They run that and they, they have targeted regulatory requirements uh, to hit certain goals for recycling. And what that means is rather than the municipalities who are faced with a, an enormous number of issues, you know, homelessness, opioid crisis, every, inflation and everything else you can think of, they can't prioritize investment into recycling infrastructure. What you have now is a system that collects nearly $300 million a year paid for by industry. And the only thing that money goes for is to educate citizens and to invest and recover those materials. And so if we look just at plastics alone, since 2017, British Columbia has moved from 41% plastics recovery to 55%. That's remarkable progress in a few short years. And 98% of that material gets recycled into new innovative materials right in British Columbia. That's the model we we are seeing now spreading across the rest of the country, Ontario, Quebec, Alberta in particular.
0: Help me understand a little bit about the process of taking uh, different kinds of plastics that are post-consumer use Mm -hmm. uh, and then bringing them into that uh, recycling process. Um, It's my understanding that you can have some compatibility issues between this type of plastic and that kind of plastic to develop products and and i know that i go well that was a, like a, a a food wrap so it should be a food wrap again but do i have my thinking wrong and also you know how do we get from what was used to what can be reused and how would it be reused?
1: Um, you're not entirely wrong. I mean, there's a lot of things. And if you think of the material that makes uh, plastic water bottles, that is typically, uh, it's a very simple material. It's typically recycled in, into water bottles. Same thing with, with heavier plastic packaging like detergent containers and others. Others, it's more complex. Uh, they can be downgraded uh, to other materials, uh, all kinds of different materials and used for other applications. What has been difficult in the industry till now, though, with a lot of and here we're talking specifically food packaging is, of course, sanitation standards. And you have to be <laughs> make a food grade, a packaging product. And the very interesting innovations uh, have been in recent years where you're seeing companies and again here in British Columbia or in British Columbia, making food grade 100 percent recycled plastics. And so now you're talking about, well, we can take that material. Uh, recover it, reprocess it and put it back into something that was similar to its original purpose. One other thing that's really important in that discussion though, that you didn't quite mention. Look, uh, there are materials that are and and applications that are relatively easy to recycle. That's what you're seeing in British Columbia today. Again, step change to get to where we are today. Going from the current 55% to 75 or to 90, that's gonna take more innovation and the innovation isn't in the recycling side. The innovation is in the design side. We have much more work to do. It is starting, but much more work to do to make sure the materials can be recycled and are designed to be recycled. So if I just shared one simple example, you go in your grocery store and you think of those ubiquitous uh, plastic pouches and there's more and more of them all the time. Why? Because they're so light to ship things around. But that plastic pouch has to perform all kinds of functions, keep moisture out, uh, keep certain uh, rays of light out, uh, at, at the same time, provide line of sight to the product that's inside. People want to see that attractive packaging. So you have seven, eight different functions. And typically that means seven or eight different layers of plastics, not recyclable. The innovation that's taking place now as you see companies introducing those plastic uh, packages, plastic pouches that are 100% recyclable, made out of a single uh, polymer material that can be easily recycled. So the the whole uh, emphasis on design for recyclability is incredibly important.
0: I got to get you to hang on for a second while we take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. What does that process look like? You gather up uh, different plastics. How do you go about sorting them so they're going to go into the right stream And then what happens to them once they're in that stream?
1: Well, this is the beauty of British Columbia again, and the model that's being uh, projected (laughs) to the rest of the country. Um, You know, the biggest challenge is what, and let me take Ontario, good example of where British Columbia used to be. You have 256 different municipal recycling programs. So you have 256 different rules for recycling. Like in my family, we have four people, we have seven university degrees. And the thing we argue about the most is, is this recyclable or not? British Columbia has done away with that. You have one system to determine what goes in your recycling boxes across the whole province. It is harmonized. And so what does that mean? It means number one, you collect the materials at scale. We often hear about certain plastics or plastic applications, things like black coffee cup lids can't be recycled. Not true at all. They're very easy to be recycled. But there's two things you need. (laughs) You need a lot of coffee cup lids to make sense to collect them and find a market for them. And two, if they are black plastics, then you're going to have to invest in an optical scanner that can see that black plastic. Again, many municipalities over the last 50 years have never prioritized that. They have too many other things to do. Now you've got a system where the producers, our industry and our customers are obliged To take responsibility to invest in that system and invest in the infrastructure that can read these materials pull the right ones out collect them at a scale that something can be done with them and that's why we're seeing the progress in in british columbia
0: you know i was at globe 2020 a couple of years ago and there was a presentation about plastics and it had been suggested that as manufacturers they can literally put in because you talked about uh scanners put in what in essence is a chemical uh um, uh, fingerprint so that the recycler knows this goes here, that goes there, and they can be scanned and be moved quite quickly. Is that an idea for the future or is it already happening?
1: Uh, there's a couple of very interesting pilot projects taking place uh, through various consortium of, of uh, stakeholders in, in the plastics value chain right now. Uh, the one I'm most familiar, familiar with is in Quebec, and they would tell you they've improved the... Uh, the identification of the materials in the stream by 95% by allowing for that tracing uh, to happen. And so it is an application. You'll see a lot more of that and and the use of artificial intelligence to to track. It's also important because you start to think about, well, whose materials were these? And are they being recycled? So you can set yourself up as a very responsible producer to say, hey, I know where my materials are at any given time, and I can track how many times they've been recycled and and for what purposes. So it's a very innovative technology. I wouldn't say it's widespread right now, but it looks like it's going to be very promising for the future. That idea of traceability, whether you're talking about uh, uh, paper from BC forests or you're talking about plastics is a, is a very novel and important concept. So,
0: in looking at your website, I was somewhat uh, amazed at the wide variety of uses or uh, ways in which plastics then get repurposed. Can you give viewers a sense of the myriad of ways in which plastic can be used in in a different application than its original, but provides great
1: benefit in its new form? Oh, (laughs) that's a good question. Well, here's an announcement from this week that's very innovative. And I I, I find the things that are much more interesting are are where we take the plastic and put it back into uh, what it was supposed to be. So uh, a company in Quebec, Pyrowave, has partnered with Michelin, and they're aiming to to have the world's first sustainable automobile tire. So you think of that rubber tire. It is so complex. And what Pyrowave has is a... um, uh, process if you will that will turn that complicated rubber back into its constituent chemistries and that material that chemistry can go right back into the tire processing uh, uh, tire production process and you take an old tire in you get a, a new tire back out that's very innovative We've seen all kinds of applications, and I'm sure your viewers are very familiar with it. Oh, we can turn water bottles into, uh, into clothing like our fleece jackets. Hey, you know, you go to a conference these days and you get the little lanyard. I used to be a, a pop bottle or a water bottle. So you see a lot of that, but I think the real drive, the real innovation, uh, the real success to truly create that circular economy is when we can take these complex materials recover them, reprocess them and put them back in. Another example, and people don't think about this very often, but we have, again, in Canada in particular, we have a complicated relationship with plastics. Most Canadians don't know. We're a global uh, top 10 plastics producer. The little tiny, tiny pellets that go in to make everything. And so the real innovation again, is to recover these materials and turn them into those tiny pellets. So no matter where they go, no matter what application they go to, that application will be made with a recovered recycled plastic. That's that's really the foundational stuff that's gonna take us to the next level.
0: This is our second break. We'll be back in a moment. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. We really are leaders, aren't we, uh, in the use of plastics. Our money is made out of plastic and it's my (laughs) understanding that when you do a full life cycle analysis on money, plastic money outlasts paper money
1: seven to one. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a very interesting and, and very durable material. But again, as an industry, we know uh, it doesn't belong in the environment. And it also, you know, until now, we've had a, a linear economy. We take, we make, we're done with it, we put it away. Well, it never goes away, it goes to landfill. Uh, What you're hearing from from our industry though is is really the voice, not so much of citizens, that's really important, but it's our customers. Our customers are demanding that we provide them with plastics that have a high recycled content. And so now, how are we gonna do that? Well, you look and you see, well, there's $8 billion of plastics going to landfill. Let's recover that, reuse it. And that does two things. It gets recovered plastics into the environment, into the economy, so we make less of it, but second, Uh, the production of plastics is also very greenhouse gas intensive. And so every ton that we can make of plastic resin that's recovered rather than a primary plastic, you have a significant greenhouse gas reduction as well. So there's multiple benefits and attributes associated with recovering and reusing this material, creating that circular economy rather than use once and throw it away.
0: So in talking to you to this point, I get the sense that there's two components to save plastic the campaign one is what the industry is doing and it's clear that there's a tremendous amount of uh, attention and investment in that but i get the sense from what you're saying is we as consumers play a role here as well
1: well, you do. And what we want to say to you is don't give up hope. And, and we know, like, hey, we, we've heard Greenpeace say recycling doesn't work. And if you're sitting here saying, well, you know, on average 9% of post-consumer plastics get recycled, it would be hard for me to argue with you that recycling does work. Frankly, nine percent shows you it doesn't. Ninety percent of plastics going to landfill. But then again, we look at what's happening in the industry, and we look at what's happening in British Columbia. We look what's about to happen in the rest of the country, and we say it can work. It will work. It needs a bit of time, uh, next few years, especially in the rest of the country. But uh, citizens and and uh, householders shouldn't give up hope. And and again, you folks in British Columbia have a world world leading and certainly north american leading system that uh, the rest of us can emulate i say a lot of times when i'm speaking (laughs) uh, to external audiences especially in the united states you know the business model for plastics is changing and it is moving towards a recycled and recovered product and if your business model is on the basis of municipalities fixing something that's been broken for 50 years and you think they're gonna do it better in the future, that's not gonna be a successful business model. So this concept of the industry, the plastics value chain taking responsibility for its product across the life cycle, including recovering it and giving it a rebirth. That's a really interesting concept and it's the only way the industry is going to transition uh, to this new business model that our customers are demanding.
0: Over the past number of years, of course, there's been a tremendous amount of focus on single-use plastics. Uh, And most of those plastics have a considerable amount of durability that goes beyond what the new government regulation is, which is if it won't survive 100 uses, uh, which is a lot uh, for single use. Are there things that we can do with some of those items to make them move beyond that threshold so that we get the benefit of the product, uh, we can reuse them and then repurpose them in a way that helps to also uh, keep waste out of landfills and give consumers what in essence is the better uh, product
1: choice. Yeah, well, listen, we're as frustrated as as many people over uh, some of these bans. And you don't have to think about innovation. You, you look just at plastics bags themselves. Most of the very large municipalities in Canada, plastic takeout bags are already recyclable. So we're saying, why are we banning something that's already recyclable? Who benefits from that? And then you ask the question, well, that test of how many uses, is, is that applied to other materials, uh, paper bags, for instance? So, you know, th- what we want to do again is try to change that conversation. This, the, the federal government will ban plastic bags. We understand that, but we're heading down a road that if we're not thoughtful about this material, we will lose its benefits because that list is going to grow and grow. It's not going to be just six items. You're creating a perception amongst consumers that this is a, a bad material. It's a harmful material. Or it's added to the list of toxic substances. Well, it's not true. It's not a harmful material. It's a very important material. It is not being managed properly at end of life, and that's what has to change. And that can, and that will change.
0: Third and final break. We'll be right back. The production of this program is made possible thanks to the support of the following and viewers like you. I think you're absolutely right. I think that when people start to now think about plastics, they have this visceral response to it, going, oh, plastics are bad, until you point out to them, well, hang on a second, if you're planning on going to the doctor or the hospital or to the medical lab or whatnot, anything that you're going to be coming in contact with that's going to help you uh, have the best possible health outcome, is made from plastic, and a lot of it is made from that, uh, you know, oil source that people go, no, 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 you can't have that from Alberta. Like we do an extraordinary job here in Canada, creating some of the highest grade medical uh, products in plastic, and we yeah, don't absolutely. want that to be jeopardized. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I think COVID certainly was a wake-up call for some decision makers about the value of plastics when they realized that all those masks are, are made from different plastic materials. So that was important. But, you know, where, where I get... Uh, uh, energized really is walking through a grocery store and having the conversation with people. People will, many people today consumers will go in the grocery say, "Wow, blow my mind. Why is there so much plastic here?" I say, "That's a great question. Let's explore that." So you think about walking through the produce aisle, why is everything wrapped in plastic? Well, there's two good reasons. One Purely sanitation. Every time I touch something like a grape or something, no one else wants to buy that, and and it will very quickly spoil once the oils on our fingers have touched it. So you see many items where you don't get to pick through your grapes anymore. You pick up your net of grapes in a little plastic container, and off you go. So that's one reason. Just in the produce aisle, we're talking about sanitation, food preservation. But then when you go down the other aisles, and again you come back to every time you go in, you're going to see more and more foodstuffs in these plastic pouches, despite this anti-plastic agenda. And the reality is they're so lightweight, they're so easy to transport products around. uh, It's the environmentally responsible choice in a time when we have uh, uh, significant concerns about greenhouse gases and the emissions associated with moving product around. So it's always important that people ask the question, why is this here? The grocery stores are not in the business of making decisions on materials in their store just to prop up the plastics industry. Believe me, they have a good reason for doing what they're doing and it's to save the consumer money and to make sure their own environmental impacts are as low as possible. And that's why you're seeing so much plastic in the grocery stores.
0: Well, and when those products are uh, wrapped in plastic or or packaged in plastic, uh, the total weight of the container uh, drops significantly which then has an impact on transportation and the carbon yeah. footprint of uh, you know, the delivery of that, that product. Uh, yeah. I, I know I sound like I'm singing off the same song sheet as you are <laughs> but I go well if not plastic then what? Uh, yeah. paper, uh, paper bags are a poor replacement yeah. environmentally for plastic grocery bags and if we make those same kind of choices going forward in other
1: areas then what are we going to wind up with yeah exactly i think that again though the, the challenge for the industry is it's not just this is better use this it's this is better and and the and is it's designed to be recyclable it is recovered and it is recycled and you know the honest uh, answer is there's still many items in the in your grocery store that are packaged in plastic that aren't yet uh, made of recycled and recoverable materials and but again you're starting to see that change and companies that are making products in a, a recyclable stand up pouch that's proudly labeled on there and it will drive consumer choices over time I'm certain of it
0: well I think you're right to start this conversation I think the initiative is right it's one that's gonna take some time but uh, I (laughs) applaud you for saying let's look at the way that we can uh, realize the benefits of plastics and then diminish what any of the negative elements around the environment might be thank you very much for your time today